Hi, I'm Phil, and I'm here with my co-host and producer, Tammy. Uh, together, uh, we co-host the Homicide Canada podcast. Um, this is our December Homicides in Canada episode. Um, yeah, we're a little late uh, putting yeah. this together. Happy uh, I was New away Year. in California for three weeks, um, getting away from the cold Canadian weather. Uh, <laughs> but now I'm back, and yeah, it's January 31st, so uh, yeah, we're going to get it out there, hopefully as soon as possible. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, uh, we have a website, homicidecanada.com, and basically we just try to track every homicide that happens in Canada, and uh, yeah. Have like a page for each homicide. Um, yeah. And besides that, obviously we have a podcast. And besides that, we have, uh, or we are on social media. Um, yeah. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I would just go to there on those sites and search for Homicide Canada. We should come up. We're also on Twitter, Homicide underscore Canada. But yeah. Our DMs are always open. So yeah. And we usually try to like, whenever we put up like a, Put up a, a new web page with a murder and that in Canada. We try to put that up on Twitter for sure. So that's a good way to follow us. Um, yeah. So, yeah, usually what we do is we go through some stats in the beginning uh, of what the homicides, well, like what homicides like occurred in Canada uh, for the month. Uh, yeah. So I'll go through that now. Um, yeah. So year to date Canada, Canadian homicides, I guess. Today is January 31st. And I think I did it yesterday. So, yeah. So, so far... Of that we know of, so admittedly, there's possibility with this some couple couple we could have missed. So there's been in I guess yeah through January basically 28 homicides total in Canada. That's 18 um, males, um, nine females, and yeah. So I guess one we don't know the gender, uh, and that would project out for all of 2023 to 352, and that compares to our total of 739. So, yeah, so through January, that's obviously um, a lot less, but I would say historically... Um, January is usually pretty January is probably the least murderous month, I guess. Yeah, I don't know, what you, like, it's I think cold that's right, here. Tammy, so. Yeah. So, yeah, so, and admittedly, like, you know, it's still early, so mm-hmm. there's oftentimes we get, like, some homicides we figured out, like, we learn about it, like, a while later and that, so, yeah, so that's it's pretty preliminary, but... As of now, it, it seems like it's going to be low. Um, well, low in January, so maybe that bodes well for the for the entire year. Uh, yeah, and that projects out to a homicide rate of zero point nine two per hundred thousand. So yeah, that's that's pretty low. Um, I also have some preliminary provincial stats. So this is also per uh, like homicide rate per hundred thousand people for the Canadian provinces. So. Manitoba leads with uh, 6.56 per 100,000, which isn't really a surprise, I think, Tammy, because they were yeah. number one last year. Although two years ago, Saskatchewan was number one. Yeah, so, so maybe yeah, it is so, a surprise. Yeah. And then, okay, so, so admittedly, like when we're discussing like, these like year-to-date totals, like in end of January, like these are all pretty preliminary, so they'll change. So interestingly, and second is um, Nova Scotia at... 3.9. Um, that's weird. That is uh, weird. British Columbia is third at 1.76. Uh, then Alberta at 1.18. Ontario at 0.44. Quebec is 0.3. And then for every other province, including Saskatchewan um, and territory, there hasn't been a homicide yet. So, 
So yeah, that's unusual, especially for Saskatchewan. Like obviously yeah. not a big province, but they they do have a fair number of murderers they have in the past few, few years. Um, yeah, and so also I we have some city stats, some municipality stats. So so far, um, the highest is city or municipality is Edmonton at four point nine eight. Uh, then Vancouver at three point eight. Winnipeg uh, of the big cities is usually usually at the top is only at three point three six. Uh, Halifax at 2.86. I don't know what's up with that. Calgary at 0.96. Uh, Toronto at 0.9. Uh, Montreal at 0.71. And then Regina, Ottawa, Mississauga, ha- Hamilton, and Branton are all at zero. Now we're going back in time to December. December 2022 saw a total of 68 homicides compared to 66 in 2021. So that's up a, a little bit. There were 43 male victims, 22 female victims, and three that are still unknown. So 43 to 22, that's kind of interesting. So, because usually there's like a, it's like a one to four male to female yeah. ratio. So that's like more, like more female victims than usual, I guess, as a percentage, I suppose. Or Yeah. And who knows that, about so. the other three? We're not uh, yeah, sure uh, yet, so... Not sure why that is. Okay. Um, all right. So I'm going to go through the youngest and oldest victims in December in Canada. So the oldest was Vittorio Panza, uh, 79. He was one of five people murdered in a Vaughan, Ontario mass shooting. And well, we'll talk about that incident later in the episode. And then the youngest was nine-year-old Matteo uh, Nezic. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, so the Ontario Provincial Police uh, declared the December deaths of 48-year-old Adrian Nesich and her 9-year-old child Matteo Nesich homicides in New Tecumseh. Um, OPP announced that two of the three deaths following a house fire in the town of New Tecumseh are now considered homicides. Uh, OPP originally responded to a wellness check on December 26, Boxing Day. When they arrived, the home was on fire. Uh, three people were located in the home. Uh, both 48-year-old uh, Adrian Nesich and 9-year-old Matteo Nesich were pronounced deceased. Uh, the third person, 45-year-old um, Christopher Nesich, was rushed to hospital where he died of his injuries. Uh, investigators said the cause of death was not due to the fire at the residence. Um, anyone with information about this case is encouraged to contact the Nada Sawaga OPP at 1888 1-888-310-1122. Or Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-TIPS, uh, which is 8477. So, um, yeah, like, we don't know, like, too much, but it seems like a domestic. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the one thing is, is that um, it's amazing, like, since doing this podcast and also the website in that is, like, like how frequently, like, somebody will, like, like basically light a fire after a homicide in that. Like, yeah. it happens a lot. Now, admittedly, like... Maybe you're trying to cover it up, but, like, the fact that he also died in the fire, like, that happens too, I guess, but it's just... Yeah. Yeah, it's like, maybe it takes longer to figure it out, yeah. but they're still gonna figure it out. Yeah. So, yeah. But, it, yeah, it's surprisingly common uh, how often, like, we see, like, somebody gets killed and there's a fire. Like, yeah. It, yeah, it is. It's, it's, sad. it's very <laughs> frequent, so... Okay, so I'll go through the uh, provincial results. Uh, Ontario, uh, the most populous province, had 29 homicides in January. Oh, wait, December, sorry. (laughs) Uh, Alberta had 10. uh, Manitoba had 8. BC had 6. 
Uh, Quebec had five. Saskatchewan had five. New Brunswick had two. Uh, Nova Scotia had two. And then, uh, I guess, let's see here. PI and Newfoundland had zero. And then all three territories had zero. The cities with more than one homicide, Toronto had six. Winnipeg had six. So there was a double homicide, three of which Jeremy Anthony Michael Skibicki was charged with, and we talked about them last month. Um, they actually happened earlier in 22, but they were declared homicides in December. So that was the uh, like the one where they wanted to search the landfill, correct? Yeah, all the missing women. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was a quintet homicide. We've never had to say that before in yeah. Vaughan. Uh, Montreal had five. Mississauga had five. There was a double homicide. Edmonton had four. Sudbury had four and three separate cases, one being a double homicide. Saskatoon had three. Calgary had two. Halifax had two. And no, New Tecumseh had two, which was a double homicide. So in murders by type, there were 28 shootings, 18 unknown, 11 stabbings, eight others, and three beatings. Yeah, that's pretty standard. So, yeah, not surprising that shooting had the most and then unknown second most and then stabbing third most. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so now we get in the section of the podcast where we're going to go over the, the more noteworthy homicides that occurred in December. Uh, yeah, so I'll start with the first one. Uh, so, Pawa... Oh, I, okay. I think I can pronounce this. Pawan Preet, that's her first name, K-A-U-R, was fatally shot at a Petro-Canada in Mississauga, Ontario. So Peel Police responded to the report of a shooting in the area of Britannia Road and Credit View Road, Mississauga, on December 3rd at approximately 10.39 p.m. Uh, On arrival, police and paramedics located uh, Pawan Preet Kaur, a 21-year-old woman from Brampton, Suffering from gunshot wounds, um, despite life-saving efforts, Cower succumbed to her injuries. Uh, no arrests have been made. However, police believe this was a targeted incident and that there is no threat to public safety. Uh, on December 8th, Peel police issued a, the suspect description. Uh, police said the suspect was seen wearing a three-quarter length dark winter jacket with a hood, uh, dark winter boots, dark pants, a dark winter toque, and white gloves. I guess we have a photo on the website for that page then, Tammy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we do. And you were saying, I think we were talking before that, uh, before doing the podcast so that it's not a great photo? No, it's it's pretty grainy and pretty like 8-bit. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty bad, <laughs> but hopefully. Maybe somebody, yeah, maybe somebody will rec- uh, recognize them. Uh, police said the suspect was smoking a cigarette, so that's something. Um, the suspect did not pull the hood up over their head until shortly before shooting the victim at close range. Uh, investigators have determined that the suspect was on foot in the vicinity of the homicide scene three hours prior to the shooting. Uh, the suspect was seen fleeing the scene westbound across Credit View Road, then westbound on Britannia Road, and then westbound onto Camgrew Green Circle. Uh, no arrests have been made. Uh, anyone with anyone with information on this incident, surveillance, or dash cam footage that the, may have captured the moments leading up to, during, or after the incident is asked to con- contact Peel. Regional police investigators at 905-453-2121, extension 3205. So it's interesting that um, the, the suspect was on foot in the vicinity of the homicide scene three hours to prior to the shooting. Just I'm just 
find it a little curious just that I was at a gas station and that. So Yeah, like, just like hanging around and stopping yeah, like the girl. Yeah, if it's targeted in that, they're like, I don't know, did they wait because they knew the person had to get gas or I don't know. I think she worked there. Oh, really? So okay. maybe they were waiting for I see. Okay. A, all right. So, a moment. Ah, uh, okay. All right. So yeah. she was, oh, so she's actually working at the gas station. Yeah. And somebody executes her. Yeah. You think usually gas stations are fairly busy, like. That's true I guess, too. I guess maybe the thing that's... is he could have been waiting around for there, it to be empty in that. Yeah, the perfect moment, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's. Un, yeah, we're all sad. we'll obviously follow this case and see what the police find in that. But yeah, so. We'll yeah. see. Okay, the next one: Vancouver police investigate the homicide of Kevin Liu, who was found badly injured near Burnaby Hospital. Police said Kevin Liu was found injured near the Burnaby Hospital on November 17th. He was transferred to the Royal Columbian Hospital, where he died on December 5th. Police said the investigation led them to an abandoned residence near 8th Avenue and Renfrew Street in Vancouver. And Vancouver police investigators believe the incident occurred in that area. So that's why it's a, been listed as a Vancouver homicide, even though he was found ah, in okay. Burnaby. Um, we have a photo of him on the website, and police are hoping that people recognized him at the SkyTrain station in Burnaby, and anyone with information that can assist is asked to contact police at 604-717-2500. So I wonder, do police believe that he was injured at this building in Vancouver and then yeah. made his way to this I guess transit stop then? Or like maybe they're trying to... They didn't really elaborate on that or maybe he took the maybe he got dropped the train off. from burnaby into vancouver but then he was yeah like who dropped him off at the hospital i think that's what they're trying to figure out yeah so it's a weird one okay uh <laughs> all right on to the next one uh police investigate the fatal shooting of 23 year old everton frost near king street east and dunsmuir road in hamilton uh, Ontario. So Hamilton police responded to a shooting in the area of King Street East and Dunsmuir Road late at approximately 8.12 p.m. on December 11th. Uh, police and paramedics arrived to find a man in his 20s suffering from gunshot injuries who was pronounced dead at the scene. Uh, the victim has been identified as 23-year-old Everton Frost from Hamilton. Uh, police, police believe his death was targeted. Um, they're asking the public to check any surveillance cameras in the surrounding area between 6 p.m. and 8.30 p.m., uh, police remain in the area and are asking anyone who may have witnessed the incident or anything suspicious to contact uh, Detective Dave Tashida at 905-546-4123. Uh, a man by the same name and age was arrested. Uh, this is the victim, right, Tammy? Yep. Okay. So, or a man with the same name and age as the victim was arrested in August 2020 outside his residence in his vehicle. Um, he was searched and found to be in possession of cocaine, Percocet pills and an undisclosed amount of Canadian currency. Uh, police also located inside his vehicle a loaded Glock handgun. Uh, the vehicle, uh, 2013 uh, Mercedes-Benz two-door two-door sedan, was also seized. Um, officers officers then entered his residence where they located illicit drugs, drug paraphernalia, and a prohibited weapon. Uh, so the seized items include cocaine valued at. Forty-eight hundred dollars, uh, unknown pills, Percocet bills valued at two hundred dollars, undisclosed amount of Canadian currency, a conductive energy weapon, which I assume is a taser. Yeah, I think or so. Or a taser-like weapon. Uh, yeah. Two digital scales, drug paraphernalia, two cocaine press units, 
the uh, Mercedes-Benz, uh, the Glock handgun, ammunitions, and he was charged with uh, possession for the purpose of trafficking cocaine, also possession for the purpose of trafficking oxycodone, uh, proceeds of crime under $5,000, several firearm-related offenses, uh, possession of a prohibited weapon, that was the taser, I guess, and then possession contrary to appropriation order four times. Um, yeah, so... Um, yeah, so evidently he was out uh, yeah. the, the handgun in 2020, but I don't know. I think if you're following the news now, it's like, you know, bail's pretty easy to get, it seems, no matter what you do. Yeah, uh, especially so here. I suppose it shouldn't be a shock that he's out. but He uh, probably would have been safer if he was in jail. He might have, yeah, it might have been in that, so, so yeah. Quoquitlam RCMP investigate the fatal shooting of Stephanie Forster. RCMP responded to the report of shooting near Lambert Way near Turner Avenue on December 8th at approximately 11 o'clock in the evening. On arrival, police and EMS located 39-year-old Stephanie Forrester suffering from gunshot injuries in a vehicle. Despite life-saving efforts, she died of her injuries. Police said they believed the shooting was an isolated incident, and two days later... Gianluigi De Rossi, the victim's estranged husband, shot himself while in his vehicle when he was pulled over by police. According to the Toronto Star, Forrester was being stalked by her ex prior to her death. She had obtained a restraining order, changed her phone number, and moved three times in six months. And she had found an air tag in her car, so she also asked police to search the vehicle for other trackers. So that seems like a like a fail of the system there. Like that's sad. Yeah. That seems like, oh uh, yeah, it's a sad case. Like she knew that yeah, she and was she, being stalked, I guess by her ex-husband, like she found an Apple air tag. She um, did all the right things and it yeah. still didn't help. It's interesting. Cause obviously like Apple air tags are, you know, useful if you put it in your luggage and that, and like, you know, you can find yeah. it where Air Canada took your stuff. Yeah. But yeah, like that's like when the, when the air tags first came out, but people, like people said, like there could be use cases in that where like, you know, you can use it to track someone else. And I guess there's supposed to be a thing like where, um, if you have an air tag, like say you're doing is in this case, somebody puts an air tag in your car. Um, it should give you a message if you're getting tracked in that, but, um, uh, but if you don't have an Apple phone, you yeah. wouldn't know, right? So the thing is she might, maybe she got the message and that, that's how she found it. But yeah, uh, maybe. I don't know. And yeah, it's sad. The fact that she had a restraining order, she changed her phone number and she moved three times in six months. So yeah, um, yeah, it's yeah a I don't know. One. Like, obviously, it's not great, but like, I don't know. Like, if like in these types of situations, like maybe you got to move somewhere really far away. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. What is the answer? Not. I'm not trying to blame the victim there, but just sort of like, yeah, it's 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 really sad. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So the next one, uh, Vanessa Kirby. Oh, okay. Kirby, Kirby Squaw. Um. I hope I'm pronouncing it correct. Uh, is dead, and another person was injured following a stabbing at the High Park subway station in Toronto. Uh, so Toronto police responded to the report of an assault at the High Park station at approximately 2 p.m. on December 8th. Um, on arrival, police located two adult women suffering from stab wounds. Both victims were rushed to the hospital where Vanessa Kirby Squaw, uh, 31, died, and a 37-year-old woman was tra- treated for nine uh, life-threatening injuries and released from hospital. A man has arrest, was arrested, but initially police did not release his identity. Um, police said the accused and the victims were not 
known to each other. Uh, and there was an update on December 9th. So Neng Jia Jin, uh, 52, uh, of Toronto, was charged with first-degree murder and attempted murder. Um, that was a 66 homicide in Toronto of 2022. Um, yeah, that's, like, really sad that, uh, like, I don't know, I think we've heard even more in the past month in Toronto that, like, the subway and public transit, like, a lot of, like, not just murder, but also a lot of other violent incidents in that. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's obviously too uh, not too bad or not too great. Um, do we know much about the 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 accused then? Or no, there, I couldn't find anything yeah. really about him. So other than that, he didn't know the yeah. women. Toronto police investigate the swarming homicide of Ken Lee. Toronto police were flagged down by a group to a stabbing of. A 50-year-old man, 59-year-old man, on December 18th at approximately 12:15 a.m. in the area of York Street and University Avenue. On arrival, police located Ken Lee with serious stabbing injuries. The victim was rushed to hospital, where he died of his injuries. Police learned that 59-year-old Ken Lee was assaulted and stabbed by a group of teenage girls. Police said Lee had moved into a Toronto homeless shelter late in the fall and had a supportive family system. A group of eight teenage girls were arrested nearby, and police recovered a number of weapons. Inve- investigators said three 13-year-old girls, three 14-year-old girls, and two 16-year-old girls have each been charged with second-degree murder. Detective Sergeant Terry Brown said they believe the group of girls were in the area by 10.30 p.m. on December 17th and were involved in another altercation. The girls allegedly met on social media and were from different geographical areas of the city. Police said they won't describe them as a gang, but at this point said what they did is categorized as a swarming. Three of the accused had prior contact with Toronto police, and the other five were not known to authorities. According to CBC, Sergeant Terry Brown said investigators believe there was an attempt, attempted theft, likely a liquor bottle. On December 29th, one of the eight teenage girls was granted bail, her conditions include not contacting the others charged, not possessing any weapons or a cell phone, and staying within provincial borders. She's not allowed to access the internet with the exception of online learning or leave where she is residing except to attend school. The reasons for her release are also covered by a publication ban. So she's actually going back to school. Yeah. <laughs> so on January 27th, two more girls were granted bail. Uh... They'll be released into custody of their parents, and their conditions include that the girls do not make contact with the co-accused. They're also banned from using mobile phones or social media, and they must remain in Ontario and surrender their passports. They're allowed to use the internet, but only for schoolwork. So why is one allowed to go to school? Yeah, that's kind of, like, that's, yeah, that's obviously interesting. Like, it's amazing, like, like, you know, like, three of the six are, like, 13 only 13 one's 14 and the other two are 16 like these obviously aren't like they're very young yeah um yeah and the fact that they they stabbed this man clearly they're a danger to others if they stabbed a grown man like yeah so like obviously like there's been a real trend the last couple years on like you know um people getting bail for homicide yeah. Um, I remember when we started the, the website, like, um, 
it was it was a lot more rare yeah that people would get bail for homicide but now it's 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 almost i'd say it's pretty frequent like yeah like i don't know if it's a a drug charge yeah i could see it but like somebody killed somebody (laughs) why are they getting bail it's interesting too, like, you know, for one murder, like eight people accused. Um, yeah. Although it seems like they, they, I have to assume they're all kind of culpable in that. Like they met up on the internet and they, they came to this place. Like, I don't know, like if one of them. Yeah. And the police said that they confiscated weapons. So yeah. did they all have a, yeah, so like, a yeah. knife or did something? Did they all have like... knives or like, what was their, yeah, like what, what was their plan here? I like, yeah. I, I don't really know what to say. I'm sure we won't know until it goes to trial because everything's yeah. like under a publication ban right now. So, yeah. and so, yeah, just kind of a crazy case. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess we'll just wait and see what happens. But, you know, obviously, since they're all under 18, I don't know how much we're going to learn. And yeah. So. All right. So, the next one uh, Sudbury police investigate a double homicide at a hotel on Paris Street. So Sudbury, Ontario, police responded to a weapons complaint at a hotel on December 20th at approximately 2 a.m. Uh, on arrival, police located two men suffering from gunshot wounds. Uh, a 27-year-old man was rushed to hospital where he was pronounced deceased. Uh, the second man, who has not yet been identified, was pronounced deceased at the scene. Uh, we currently have three people believed to be involved in the incident in custody, and the investigation into the incident is ongoing. Uh, information released to these individuals and the charges will provi- be provided as the in- investigation unfolds at Sudbury Police. And that was update on the 28th of December. So Sudbury Police arrested 33-year-old Joel Roy for first-degree murder um, twice, or two charges of first-degree murder, as well as attempted murder of an 18-year-old man who was present in the shooting. Uh, however, this man was not injured. Uh, Roy was charged with possession for the purpose of trafficking, as is believed he was trafficking illicit drugs out of the hotel at the time of the incident. Uh... Sudbury police stated this is the same 33-year-old man previously charged with numerous firearm offenses on December 20th, 22, uh, in connection with this incident. So, yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. So, (laughs) I guess a double homicide. uh, Drugs were involved. Um, Yeah. Okay. Visai Roman charged with the murder of Daniela Roman in Edmonton. Edmonton police responded to a domestic-related call at a residence near 75 A Street and 166 Avenue on December 15th at approximately 4.30 p.m. On arrival, police located Daniela Roman, 51, of Edmonton, deceased in the basement of the residence. The victim's husband, Visai Roman, 54, was taken into custody at the scene. An autopsy was performed and revealed the cause of death to be multiple blunt and crush injuries and the manner of death being a homicide. And Visai Roman has since been charged with second-degree murder. Like that, you don't really hear about crushing homicides. Yeah, like, like unless it was like a car or something like that. But Yeah, yeah. so like... it'll be, I don't know, like maybe we'll hear what actually happened at some point, but it's a sad one. Yeah, another, yeah yet another domestic. Okay, um... So I guess this is like probably the most noteworthy incident in December. So six dead, including the 73-year-old suspect and one injured at a shooting in a Vaughan, Ontario condo. Vaughan is just north of Toronto. Uh, York Regional Police were called to a residential building located at 9232, uh, sorry, 9235 Jane Street 
for a report of an active male shooter who had shot several victims on December 18th at approximately 7.20 p.m. Uh, on police arrival, an interaction occurred between the officers and a male subject, and the s- subject was shot. Uh, he was pronounced deceased at the scene. Officers located five victims who were deceased, and a sixth victim, a woman, who was in hospital with serious but non-life-threatening uh, injuries. Uh, police said three of those people were members of the condo board. Uh, the victims have been identified as Rita Camilleri, 57, uh, Vittorio Panza, 79, Russell Manock, 75, Helen, also known as Lorraine Manock, 71, uh, and Navid Dada, uh, 59 years old. Uh, Chief Jim McSween identified the shooter as Francesco Villi, 73, who lived in the Unit 104 at the building. Uh, Villi was shot and killed by police on the third floor. Uh, Christy Dinette the, of the Ontario Special Investigation Unit said that Billy used a semi-automatic handgun in the shooting. Uh, any witnesses or anyone who may have video surveillance, cell phone video of the shooting is urged to contact the SIU at 1-800-787-8529. Um, according to Billy's estranged daughters, he had an aggressive Jekyll and Hyde type personality and a history of domestic abuse against both mothers of his children and his daughters. Uh, Billy had a history of threatening condo board members and was embroiled in a lengthy court battle involving the board. Uh, court documents showed that Billy believed the electrical room beneath his unit was improperly constructed and emitting electromagnetic waves. So, yeah, that's... Yeah. Uh, so I found his Facebook, and every day he would post a video that was either about, like, really wild religious things or the electrical room and how he thought that they were trying to kill him. So he clearly had some mental health yeah, problems. It, it does, yeah, it definitely does seem like there's, there's a mental health component here. Right yeah. Now, so, um, yeah, it's sad that it comes to this. I believe this was probably like the most shooting victims in last year then at uh, a time. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So Because I guess there was, there was the Saskatchewan stabbing. stabbing. Yeah. It was more people. But yeah, this was like the most, uh, the most victims of a hom- like shooting homicide in that. So yeah, it's... Uh, you know, it makes you wonder where, yeah, there's obviously a lot of people on the internet and some of them are a little unhinged in that and post yeah. some strange stuff in that, but like usually it's not going to come to homicide, but, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely should have been dealt with another yeah. way before it came to that. So I guess the thing is like, yeah, you never really expect that. Like some guys angry at the condo board. Um, yeah, you wouldn't normally expect that they would come to this, but it did. Yeah. Okay, so now we're on the section where we're going to do some looking at some notable updates and arrests and some homicides we've covered previously in previous uh, homicide podcasts. Uh, So remains were located near uh, Brandon, Manitoba in October 2022. They've been identified as James Vernon, uh, East Brecht. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, Blue Hills RCMP responded to the report of remains at a rural area on the outskirts of the city of Brandon in the regional municipality of Cornwallis on October 2022. Uh, police arrived to find what appeared to be human remains. Uh, investigators have worked closely with their forensic anthropologists from Brandon University as well as the officers of the chief medical examiner to identify the remains and determine the cause of death. Uh, RCMP announced on January 24th that the victim had been identified as James Vernon Gisbrecht, 37, of Brandon. Uh, RCMP said James had reported missing from the Brandon area on December 12th, uh, 2022. Uh, investigators said his death is being investigated as a homicide. Uh, Corporal Julie 
Hussein of the Manitoba RCMP said, believe a number of people encountered interact with James in late September and early October. Uh, we need those people to immediately come forward and call the tip line at 1-431-489-8110. Uh, these individuals have likely have vital information about his movements and acquaintances during that time that could significantly help the investigation. Uh, anyone who may have seen James in late September and early October urged to contact the RCMP by calling the Major Crime Services tip line at one four three one four eight nine eight one one zero. Yeah, that's kind of crazy that they located his remains in October, but he wasn't actually reported missing by family or friends till December. Yeah, it is kind of weird because it's yeah, it's like basically like two months later. Yeah, like that's crazy. Or like your family, you would think yeah. a couple months, but maybe that was normal for him. I guess it could be. Yeah, maybe it was a bit of a transient in that, so yeah. Yeah. Okay, John Keeler has been found guilty of manslaughter, not murder, in the stabbing death of girlfriend Sarah Ford in 2022. So here's the backstory. RCMP said that 38-year-old Sarah Ford was reported missing by a family member to the Fort St. John RCMP on July 10th after she had last been in contact with family on July 6th. Police located human remains in a remote location approximately 75 kilometers north of Fort St. John on July 24th. Consultation with the BC Coroner Service and the family of the victim confirmed the deceased to be Sarah Ford. On July 25th, police arrested John Wendell Keeler, 35, and charged him with second-degree murder. And so there's been an update on January 12th, 2023. According to CBC, John Wendell Keeler testified that he was in a substance-induced psychosis and believed that he was in danger from people crawling under the house when he fatally stabbed Sarah Ford. He said he was so drunk and high that he did not know what was going on. Keeler had been laid off for his job for two months before the murder and was living with Ford in her mobile home. As a result of the trial, Keeler has been found guilty of manslaughter and indignity to human remains. Yeah, um, I don't know. I guess one recurring theme of, like, I don't know, covering homicides in Canada is, like, pretty much almost every homicide tends to end up being manslaughter than rather than first yeah. or second-degree murder. Um, pretty hard to get uh, convicted of first-degree murder in, in Canada, it seems. So uh. Yeah. All right, so um, another case. Uh, so hopefully I'm pronouncing this name correctly. Uh, Folk... Hoa Vo, uh, I believe that's Vietnamese, was found not gr- criminally responsible uh, because of a mental disorder in relation to the murder of his parents at 20 George Street in Hamilton, Ontario. So the backstory, Hamilton police responded to 911 calls from tenants at 20 George Street advising a male was stabbing a female on the 13th floor hallway on April 26, 2021 at approximately 12.35 p.m. Uh, police arrived to find a 34-year-old male and 61-year-old Moy. Uh, Q, lying in the hallway, suffering from stab wounds. Uh, police also located a 67-year-old Hong Vo, suffering from a serious stab wounds inside of a nearby unit. Uh, all three were rushed to the hospital, where Q was pronounced dead at the hospital, and 67-year-old Vo died at the op- in the operating room. Uh, the 34-year-old Phuc Ho Vo was under guard at the, ho- the hospital, and police said he was facing two counts of second-degree murder. When he regains consciousness, uh, police said the murder was domestic in nature and they're not looking for any other suspects. And there's no danger to the public. But, oh, so there's an update on January 14th. So, uh, yeah, 2023, 
Uh, Folk Ho Vo was found not criminally responsible because of a mental disorder at the Hamilton Courthouse on January 13th, uh, 2023. Uh, according to um, Hamilton, the Hamilton Spectator, Dr. Gary Chemovitz, uh, the head of forensic psychiatry at St. Joseph's West 5th Campus, said Vo was initially denounced, diagnosed with delusional disorder, but is prof- possibly evolving to schizophrenia. So... Yeah, it's like obviously a sad case where he was yeah. uh, killed both of his parents, but yeah, like um, found not criminally responsible. So, okay, this one's a little bit different. Police in India arrest three men in relation to the smuggling deaths of a family in Canada. The bodies of a married couple and their two children, ages three and eleven, were found deceased in Manitoba, meters away from the U.S. border, on January nineteenth, twenty twenty-two. The family froze to death while attempting to cross the border. Investigators have said they believe their deaths were linked to a human smuggling operation and a man charged in the U.S. is to stand trial later this year. Police said one man allegedly helped the family get documents for the U.S. leg of their planned journey. All three faced charges of acting as immigration agents and supplying the family with paperwork, culpable homicide not amounting to murder, Attempting culpable homicide, human trafficking, and criminal conspiracy. So that's a weird one. I I don't really understand how you can charge someone with murder that didn't happen in your country, or like not murder, like culpable homicide. Yeah, it's weird because, like, as far as I know, in Canada, like culpable homicide is usually like either like. A charge of manslaughter or like yeah. first and second degree murder. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's confusing, but yeah, also that they died. It's like in yeah, it's obviously like a, a strange case in the sense that like yeah, they kind of set these people up to cross the border and they froze to death. Um, yeah, it's like I get it's kind of similar to like what we see pretty frequently where somebody supplies like fentanyl or something like that mm-hmm. and it ends up being an overdose. Like occasionally they'll charge the dealer, not often. But wouldn't you like? These people are in India that set these people up to... Yeah, no, that's true too, Wouldn't though. they fly th- them here to charge them if the homicide happened here? Yeah. I'm I don't know. Sure. It's very confusing, that one. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll keep following it. Yeah, um, for sure. All right. Uh, so then I guess... All right, one more. I guess uh, Cameron James Prosper uh, pleaded guilty to manslaughter in relation to the stabbing. Uh, oh, okay, hopefully I'm pronouncing this correctly. Prab... Jot Singh Katri in 2021. So the backstory, I guess, Truro Police in Nova Scotia uh, said they were called to an apartment building on Robbie Street at around 2 a.m. on September 5th on the report of a suspicious death. Uh, on arrival, police located a t- deceased 23-year-old man. Uh, police did not reveal his identity. However, friends and family identified him as Prajat Singh Katri. He returned had been returning from his job as a taxi driver in the apartment that he shared with his sister and her husband. Uh, Cam- Cameron James Prosper was charged with secondary murder and pleaded guilty to manslaughter in Truro Supreme Court on December 19th. Uh, Prosper stabbed Katri in the neck at 2.04 a.m. on September 5th, 2021, according to an outline of the facts read aloud at the hearing by the prosecutor, Thomas Kacher. Uh Katri was leaving a friend's apartment at 494 Robbie Street in Truro when he was killed. So, yeah, that's like a sad one. All right. Uh, so, like, I guess to end it off, this is like a like a one that we were wondering about. So, in Hamilton, Ontario, there was a double death and injury at uh, a house on East Thirty Second and Crockett Street. Um, uh, 
And originally, like, it was reported not being suspicious, and we were wondering, like, I don't know, I hypothesized maybe it was carbon monoxide poisoning. Like, what yeah. like what would it be that would kill multiple people at that, but wasn't murder? Um, so Hamilton Police tweeted on December 16th that they located two deceased individuals on one in critical condition at a property in the area of East 32nd Road, or Street, rather, and Crockett Street in the city's Raleigh neighborhood on Hamilton Mountain. Uh, police said that the deaths were not believed to be suspicious, uh, but Tammy, I guess you found a tweet linked to the original tweet uh, thread from the Hamilton police, and I guess it was from a woman named Sue Miller. Uh, she says, Thanks, thank you as I'm associated with one of the families. They're all devastated. They're overdosed relatives. These guys have been friends forever, as their parents are, were friends. Doesn't matter how, but it did happen. Uh, their grief is insurmountable, so sorry for them. So, yeah, it seems like... Um, basically two overdose deaths and somebody else overdosed in that. So I don't know, I guess maybe like a powerful sample of fentanyl or something like that. So yeah. Cause yeah. I don't know, I guess it's unusual for two people to overdose. on. Yeah, like for sure. Like it must time, be, I guess. Yeah. We were wondering like, what did, what was, how did two people die at the same time? Um, and yeah, the answer I guess is obviously like drugs, probably fentanyl. Okay. Um, so yeah, we, we know this, we managed to solve that mystery. Okay. Uh, so yeah, this is the end of the episode. So our website is homicidecanada.com. And so we try to have a post for every homicide that occurs in Ham in not Hamilton, in <laughs> Canada. Uh, and we also have pages for all the provinces and the major municipalities. So yeah, if you want to have a, your say you're from Toronto, you can go to our Toronto page and see all the homicides, uh, that have happened so far this year and in previous years. Um, our email is info at homicidecanada.com. Uh, you can tell us if we missed a murder in your municipality or province, or if you if there's anything else you want to say. Uh, our Twitter is homicide underscore Canada. Uh, our DMs are always open. And yeah, you can check us out uh, for Facebook or Instagram. Just search uh, Homicide Canada and we should come up. So yeah, until uh, our new our next episode, hopefully, I think that will be... Um, much quicker than much this quicker, one. Much <laughs> quicker, yeah. So yeah, my, my being in California kind of delayed us a little bit. So yeah, I apologize. But uh, yeah, I'm back now for, I don't know, well, I might go away again. But <laughs> if I do, I'll make sure we record an episode before I go. So yeah, all right. So yeah, until next time. <laughs>